Welcome to Replenish Hope. I am your host, Denise Castro. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your title? It's Daddy's Girl, Crying and Silent. Yeah, so the title, Daddy's Girl, because I was a daddy's girl, and the subtitle, Crying Silent, is because when a lot of the things that happened between me and my dad and me and my family, I didn't talk about it. I just literally cried in the inside, and I buried stuff and moved forward. So my family, as far as like my immediate family, my parents and me and my brother, mm-hmm. when things we never really talked about it. We didn't say, okay, this is, this is what happened. This is what we're doing to move forward. And this is what we're going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. We never did that. Stuff happened. We buried it. And we kind of like moved on from it. Mm-hmm. And when I was a lot younger, I wasn't as bold with my thoughts and what and my feelings. Like I wasn't, um, at that time, I wasn't comfortable enough to address what I was feeling at that particular time. So mm-hmm. I just stuffed it either um, in the inside or just in my room by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read if um, your first chapters, you talked a little bit, a little, a little bit about your immediate family um, regarding your um, mom and dad and your, you know, your sibling. And um, it kind of sounded like you lived like a really good life, but also it was um, because of different different cultures in one. So I kind of like, this is my, also because I know you a little bit, I know you a lot, but reading your book, you kind of read, um, there was a lot of like, you were still trying to figure out things out, even such in a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up in a very um, stable house home. My parents were entrepreneurs. They had a very successful um, business, so I didn't want or or lack for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so family to me, growing up was very important, and I did uh, what any little kid my age uh, could do to kind of secure that because um, none of my cousins had that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my single mom households, and I was one of the only families that had a mom and a dad, mm-hmm. and my dad was with a wife. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I never wanted to experience what my cousins experienced at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my point of view, it just seemed like it was unstable. It was very uh, just kind of chaotic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the story about when your dad uh, was was driving driving after your um, the bus trying to. <laughs> Because I can imagine this handsome man after a big yellow bus trying to get catch up to his daughter's uh, field trip. That was funny. Yeah. So my dad, even to this day, and I hate it so much. He is like never on time. Like till this day. To this day, insane. And back then, we didn't have cell. We didn't have cell phones. It was like in the nineties. My dad had a page to find like a payphone to call me back. But he would always go on all my field trips, like Mm -hmm. all of them. And he's always freaking late. But then I was excited because, and then I got to show my friends, like, "Oh, that's my dad." That's so funny. But he was there. I know he. He was. He has been a big um, part in your life, Tiffany, in the way he's. He taught you a lot about music. Mm-hmm. He influenced you. Yeah. 
he did both of my parents mm-hmm. um play. my mom is a singer my dad singer musician but back then he was more on like the musician side so he was in a band and they would always practice at our house mm-hmm. to join the band but i'd like be in the garage singing all the songs and doing all this. my mom was a singer she sang at the hotel dell mm-hmm. so that was like cool and she would dress up in like these nice like gowns and mm-hmm. stuff and her red lipstick that's why i always wear red lipstick because my mom all the time when i was a kid uh-huh. and she'd have like, curly hair and her blonde highlights and yeah. she would sing at the hotel there was always music uh playing in my house and my relative's house my my family is very musically inclined so there was always live music or performances or parties lots the party so when um the foundation because the found the family bond i mean you were young when didn't things start just getting a little bit more challenging so things started getting a little bit more challenging i want to say i think i was probably in fourth or fifth grade when i noticed things kind of like shifting so my dad was an entrepreneur so he would travel and somewhere or I think he went to go visit his family in Arkansas and he came back and then when he came back he had like this strange news that he wanted to share with us so he took my brother out to eat which is um to see my brother and we would go out to eat all the time but like whenever he wanted to tell something he would make sure that he did it like over food Mm -hmm. so he took me and my brother out to lunch and he's like hey guys like I have something to tell you and we're like oh what dad and he said that hey I think you guys might have a brother so I'm sitting there. The only brother I know is my brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean I have a brother? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I just came back from Arkansas and I met this kid and I think he might be mine. And immediately I was just like, wait, what? And I definitely wasn't too happy about it because as I mentioned in the book, I was really attached to my dad, like wherever mm-hmm. he went. And now we have third party coming in and we don't even know if he's really related to us or is related to us. Where did he come from? How long did my dad know about this? Mm-hmm. I just had like so many questions in my head. And because it was something that our immediate family was still trying to like, I guess, uh, dissect. It didn't even happen. Wow. And that was when I started, that's when the, I believe the crack, the foundation just started to like kind of crumble in a way because mm-hmm. of that. And we didn't discuss it. We didn't go to counseling like nothing it was kind of like swept it under the rug. Mm. we don't I haven't seen him since since then my dad doesn't talk about him i think it came out that he wasn't my dad's and i don't know if my dad was just like ashamed to like admit like this is not mine but we still don't talk about it to this day so that's when i really i think that's when you saw your dad differently you can say oh yeah and then your mom and the relationship with between your parents, like the broken, yes, I, broken promises and all that. I believe as I became older, I started to see like little things here and there. You know, when you're little, mm-hmm. your parents or your dad, like you're everything. He's like your superhero, can't do any wrong. Right. But as older, you start to see uh, things differently. You start to notice different behaviors. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it, it was actually pretty good for a couple of a couple of years, and then, you know, I started to notice like, oh, my dad's hanging out longer. Oh, my dad's going on more business trips. Oh, my dad, you know, staying out with clients longer. You know, how did that impacted you as a young woman, Tiffany? Um, I think that I think it probably would have impacted me a lot worse if 
me and my dad didn't have such a strong relationship in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel kind of like abandoned in a way because we were so tight and so close. Mm-hmm. And as I older, uh, we didn't hang out as much. I mean, we still hung out, but we didn't hang out as much as we did before. And um, I just felt that I was becoming... I was no longer like a priority. And I know that I was getting older, so I had my own friends. I was in sports and, and, and doing singing competitions and things like that. But I still felt that he was kind of being pulled in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So I sang all through high school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have I guess, high school experience. I didn't go to parties or anything like that just because I was either recording or performing somewhere very much involved in my music career he like booked all of my gigs he booked all of my uh, my studio time so my parents were very much involved in that aspect of my life um I was a cheerleader so they were always at my game so um so in a sense I mean he still was very supportive when it came to like my sports or my musical career but um outside of that I I did see that his time was being occupied, you know, kind of like elsewhere. So he was your father when he was with you, but when he was not with you, he was a regular man. (laughs) Yeah, he was out in the... (laughs) But I mean, he met with clients on a regular basis. Yeah. So, but he was gone more. Like my dad would play pool on weekends, like Friday nights. Mm Mm-hmm. And would go out to this little bar, this mm-hmm. little hole in the I'd been there a couple of times mm-hmm. as a minor. That bar, the bar is no longer open, but when it was open, I would go with my dad and just sit in the back while he played pool. Mm-hmm. Doing that anymore, uh, he would play pool more often and be gone like longer. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, just to see where he was like, hey, dad, where are you? When are you coming back? Oh, I'm hungry. Usually when I said that, he would like rush back. Um, mm-hmm. faster mm-hmm. Uh, but my she didn't really seem too bothered I guess on the outside mm-hmm. and I would always kind of gauge like okay what's the temperature of the family is my mom mad is she stressed out is she worried but she never really seemed worried and she kind of you know allowed my dad to be him he worked really hard on um, running his business so if he needed to go play pool or to, I guess, hang out, if you will. She never really opposed that. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, though, when did he know that there was more than just playing, going out? I think when I was in high school, mm-hmm. my junior year, I think it was the end of my junior year, um, business was booming. Um, my parents were doing great. Uh, business was growing, very successful. My mom started working for the government. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was in school. My mom would work. And then my dad would pretty much have a whole day to do whatever he needed to do. Mm-hmm. My mom um, had an SUV that had her name on it. Mm-hmm. Hers. And a, a co-worker, and I don't even remember how I even like got this information. I was probably like being nosy and heard my mom talking about it or something. But mm-hmm. Apparently, one of her coworkers had noticed her truck in a specific area, like frequently. And she's like, "Hey, I see your truck over here all the time during these hours." Blah blah blah. And my mom automatically knew it wasn't her, mm-hmm. obviously. So um, she asked my dad about it, 
and I think he's, I don't know what he said. I can't really remember. It was like so long ago. But I can't remember if the woman called my mom and told her or if my mom found out about it. Mm-hmm. But my mom spent time with this lady and that kind of like rocked our whole like family. The decisions that um, our parents do, do affect us. And the things that now that we're parents as well, it, the, the idea of knowing that the good and bad decisions, because you write that also in your book, how decisions are not only affect your own life, but affect the people around you. Absolutely. Um, now looking back at it, because my dad now is remarried. Mm-hmm. Now looking at it, I feel that he needed me to be okay with what he was doing because I, my opinion carries so much weight when it comes to him. I think that he needed me to kind of like co-sign on what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I never did. I thought it was just so bizarre. Especially being that young. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel that he just really needed me to be okay with what he was doing. Because his thought process was probably like, if my daughter is okay, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. But I will open. Yeah. And, the, you know, you're not the only one, Tiffany. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other daughters have gone through the same thing as you have, meeting the the other lady, the mistress, or or just seeing the, the family um, breaking up because of whatever reason. And how it, as a woman and and um, has and also as a daughter, how, how much that hurt and also how that has made you the woman that you are today. Yes. I I believe that during this time, because it, it started happening when I became a teenager, and that's, that's like a pivotal moment, uh, especially for girls and their dads. Like I really needed my dad during that time, even though he taught me so much. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he was there for me. But I needed him to be a little bit more engaged mm-hmm. in on in my life, what I was feeling, mm-hmm. become an adult soon. I was I was starting to date, mm-hmm. and with him kind of like disconnecting and kind of doing his own thing, it really um, messed with my with my self worth in a mm-hmm. sense because I needed that stability from my dad since I was a little girl so I went from being stable 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 to literally having the rug ripped up from up under me mm-hmm. and it made not made me but it opened up doors for different types of sin that probably wouldn't have happened if um, my dad wasn't doing him if that makes sense no yeah it does make sense I think as as um as an adult, we can see how, you know, marriage has their reasons why, and but everybody has their choices, what they're going to do yes. within the marriage. It's mm-hmm. And they were older. I mean, you were older when they divorced. Yes, I was 34, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe I was 34 or 33. I was in my mid-30s. Yeah. So, yeah, older when they divorced, and it still hurt mm-hmm. it hurt I can only imagine what a child goes through when their parents divorce at like mm-hmm. 10 or 12 mm-hmm. 14 16 you know and I was a 
full functioning reasoning adult and it still um, cut very deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe that my dad thought that since he was grown and he pretty much did his job mm-hmm. as in us, that it wouldn't really have an effect on mm-hmm. us because I remember him saying vividly to me, um, you know, it took me, you're grown. I've done my job. Now it's time for me to live my life. Mm. It hurt because whether I'm 5, 12, 35, you're still my dad. Mm-hmm. I still need mm-hmm. my dad. Do you need to hold my hand every step of the way? No, but you're still my dad. And I just kind of felt like once I turned 18, he kind of like washed his hands with me like, okay, well, you're grown. I did my job. Now it's time for me to live my life. Mm. And in his head, he's probably like, okay, well, I make a lot of sense because I did do my job. Mm-hmm. I could have left my kid, but I waited until she was an adult. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it still affected me and it still hurt. Yeah. And it sucks because I'm so used to having my dad here. I'm used to my dad being married to my mom. Mm-hmm. And now sudden, things are different. Things are different. But in that different in that time of journey, you found Christianity and you found the bigger purpose in your life. And that you want to share a little bit about that, Tiffany? I did. When I had my daughter, so I was baptized when I was fifteen, but I left the church because it had too many rules for me, mm-hmm. and I just wanted like I didn't I didn't want all that. Red tape. I just wanted Jesus, so I got baptized and then I left. But I knew once becoming a mom that I needed a strong foundation for my daughter. I knew that I needed uh, to be connected to someone bigger than me. So I rededicated my life back to Christ. I uh, was going to church, was serving, essentially just trying to put my life back together because. I was a mom now. My daughter deserved to live in a stable household. My daughter deserved to have a mom who was whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you were trying. To, you were you trying to find hope in that time, Tiffany, and you found it oh, in yes. Jesus. I was trying to find hope. I wanted healing. I uh, wanted to find friends because I didn't have like all friends during that time. I had friends, but they weren't like solid. I needed solid friends. I needed a solid foundation because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to give my, my daughter the life that she needed without Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the experience that I had with him at 15, I knew it was the real deal, but I, it was just so much red tape. So I was like, okay, I need, to find a church that is Bible-based that can lead me back to God without all the, I guess, blood. Yeah. You just needed Jesus. <laughs> I just needed Jesus. <laughs> that's, all I just need- that's all you needed? You didn't need no rules? You just needed him. I just needed Jesus. I didn't need any religion. I just wanted Jesus because I had experienced so much hurt. Yeah. Um, even before my daughter was born, even like being pregnant with her and 
uh, moving to Atlanta with my parents because they wanted to semi-retire, which I just think that they were probably just running away from all the mess that had happened. They were trying to rebuild something. Yeah, trying to rebuild. And I went over there with them for a little bit to help get them settled. And then I came back to California because my boyfriend was there. And I just wanted to be with him. I, I, I wanted to be loved by someone other than my family or my dad because his love wasn't stable. Mm-hmm. And I wanted stability. I wanted someone to take care of me. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted someone to, to protect me like my dad did. So I went to Georgia, came back to California with my boyfriend and realized, okay, this is not going to work. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Um, I got pregnant, came back to Georgia to have my daughter. And when I came back, I just noticed that things were just different between my parents. I'm like, okay, I wasn't even gone that long, but things changed. Like you could feel the energy. I'm on a car ride home. I just, something was just different. And I didn't really say anything. And then me and my dad started hanging out again. We were go to karaoke, go to, you know, just hanging out, be filming in the city. And we would go to this particular establishment quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a lady hanging around. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a very, very observant person. Like, I guess you are. <laughs> and I noticed this particular person around us. Oh, she was like, hey, uh, attention to my dad. And I'm like, who is this lady? Why is she talking to my dad? Like, he's married. This is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Like, what's her? So I asked my dad about it. I was like, hey, who's this lady? Like, she's being low key friendly. What's mm-hmm. going on? He goes, oh. And I was like, you don't have friends, remember? Remember you said you don't have friends? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, just somebody I know. So every time we would go, she would always be there. But she would be in his space, so like, not really like, you know. So one day, I didn't go because I was getting further along in my pregnancy and I was just super uncomfortable. So I told her, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go. So I didn't go for a while. And then one night, I just felt it in my spirit to just go. And I went to the restaurant and I didn't go through the front. So I was like, if I go through the front, my dad's definitely going to see me. So I went around the back mm. through the rest, uh, through the bar area to where they were. And I was kind of like hanging out in the back, just kind of like observing to see if I could see something. And I saw the, the lady again, and she was, like, in my dad's space. And I'm like, but she was in the space. You know how, like, when you're familiar with somebody mm-hmm, and they're, like, in the mm-hmm, space? Mm-hmm. So then I go over there, and I'm just like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, what's up with this lady? Why is she in your space? Like, does she not know that you're married? Like, it's inappropriate. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. So then I go to the bathroom, and her and her sister meet me in the bathroom and I come out of the cell and they're just kind of like standing in the doorway like kind of like snickering and making faces and saying remarks and stuff and I come out and I just kind of look at them like okay like what's the deal if you're gonna do something to do it now if not then mm-hmm. waste my time so I wash my hands and then as I'm leaving the bathroom I kind of like bump them both with my shoulders like hey you know I see you mm-hmm. watch it so then I go back down to where my dad is at, and then I'm talking to him, whatever, whatever. So then she comes down. I think she, like, grabs my dad by the hand and, like, kind of leads him outside to, like, this this um, patio area. And I don't even remember 
what kind of like led the altercation, but something happened and I followed them outside. I think we're like exchanging words at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what she said to me to kind of like trigger the anger, but she said something to me and I just like literally lost just attacked it. her. You were and pregnant. I was, like, I was pregnant. I was seven months pregnant. <laughs> oh my God. My daughter. And I just like, just attacked her and like, I'm just swinging and like, I didn't even, I, I don't even remember hearing anything. I just, I was just like, okay, she's a threat. Mm-hmm. I'm about to attack. And I remember my dad like screaming like, what are you doing? You're pregnant. And I, I think I just told him like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And like security came, pulled us off. And then my dad is just like, I guess talking to me and telling me that he didn't raise me this way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm mm. just like, well, your mom didn't raise you this way but here we are mm. and me and my dad like words and I'm like I before the police get there I just leave and I go back home and I tell my mom like what happened and then a couple of days later I get served with papers that I was being charged with assault and battery which was a shock to me because I didn't know that people press charges against people mm-hmm. and so I was pregnant and I told, I told my dad, I was like, can you believe that she's pressing charges on me? And my dad, like, did not come to my defense at all. He was like, you didn't put your hands on people, and these are the consequences. And I remember just being so upset with him because I'm like, I'm your daughter. This probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you. And now you're literally leaving me out to dry. Like, I felt so betrayed in that moment. And he, he still, he didn't, he did not help me at all. He actually invited me to lunch to meet her. Cause I guess she was like, well, let me just talk to her and I'll drop the charges. Mm-hmm. And my dad didn't tell me, my dad didn't tell me that she was going to be there. He was taking me out to lunch so we can talk about what happened. Then all of a sudden she just walked into the restaurant and I just felt like that moment when I was a teenager was happening all over again. Like, Oh, here we go again. Like history repeats itself. And she sits down and she just has like this. Just mm-hmm. like stand her face like, huh, here I am. Mm-hmm. About it. And at that moment, I knew that she was going to do whatever kind of like remove me out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's talking to me and she's telling me like all the stuff that my dad is saying, that's telling her, which is like a complete lie. And then he, she asked my dad if she can talk to me alone, which is like a big mistake. And my dad was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, you can talk to me. You can go outside for a couple of minutes. Like, I literally saw her face change from like, she was nice when my dad was there. And like, she straight turned into the devil. And she was telling me how like me and my dad's relationship was inappropriate, how I was too close to him, like a daughter. She said a father and daughter should not be that close. That's disgusting. She accused me of like uh, sleeping with my father. Whoa. Like crazy. And I remember just standing sitting there like, oh my gosh, like I have come face to face with the devil. Like this is the devil. And yeah, so she just was saying how my relationship with my dad is just so inappropriate and nobody should ever, a, a, a father should never be that close to his daughter. And like all this crazy stuff. 
And then so my dad comes back in and then she goes back to being nice again. And my dad drives me home and I told him everything that she said. I was like, you know, this is what she said. And I, I cannot believe that somebody would even, like, who in their right, right mind would even say something like that? And I'm like, I told him, I was like, I don't really understand, like, what's going on, but I don't want any parts of it, like, at all. And from that moment on, I just kind of, like, removed myself from the situation because I didn't want any parts of it, like, at all. Period. I can't believe you went through that, Tiffany. Yeah, girl, I'm telling you, I couldn't even make this stuff up if I tried. No, I believe but, you. I mean, I do believe you, but, but wow. <laughs> it was bizarre. And eventually the charges did get dropped. My, I think my mom called her. I don't know what my mom said. Was this in a... Is that it's is that after like in chapter eight, the grace the uh, the chapter's called grace like a flood. Was that after that or before that? Uh, this happened before that. Yeah. So all the craziness happened at once. I pretty much just distanced myself from my dad because I didn't want any part of that. And I knew that this woman was going to do whatever she could to kind of like solidify her relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. And the, the man that I grew up with was not the man that I was, that was unfolding in front of my face. Like I didn't even know who this person was. Like he looked like my dad. He sounded like him. He walked like him, but it wasn't him. It wasn't him. It was not him. I did not want to be associated with, that type of behavior so my dad ended up moving out moving in with that lady and she had kids i think she had like three daughters or something oh like that oh my gosh yeah so he goes over there and lives with her and like i guess he essentially like becomes their dad mm -hmm. and i was just like how can you leave your own family mm -hmm. like how could you leave your pregnant daughter and your wife, literally high and dry. My mom was a grad student, so she wasn't working full time. I wasn't working full time, and he just left, like up and left. Wow. And he said the reason why he left is because he says, "Oh, your mom didn't fight for me." Oh my gosh. But like, like, anyway, I'm not even gonna try to wrap my head around that. But he left. And went to go live with this lady and her kids for years. For years. Years. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So how how many how many years was it before you saw him again, or um, had him back in your life? Oh wow, um, it had to have been probably five, four or five years. Wow. I let him before I was even open to the idea of him being back in my life, just because. I just felt like every time I would talk to him, he just wasn't being honest. And he was, like, living with this lady and, like, taking her to his family's house. Like, my dad's whole family, like, kind of, like, embraced this lady like it was normal. And I wasn't okay with that, like, at all. I'm like, how are you guys kind of, like, endorsing this type of behavior? Knowing full well that he's still very much married to my mom. 
so I cut them off too. Do you want to talk a, a little bit about chapter eight, Grace Like a Flood and Redemption? Yes. So after years of just being angry and just being unhappy, I just came to the end of myself. I mean, I was in church serving and I was just angry and it got to a point where I would cry all the time. I was angry all the time and I was having like chest pains and I was having acid reflux and I knew that this wasn't the life that God had called me to live. And I wasn't sure if I was ready to forgive my dad, but I knew that I forgive and release him so God can do a work in my life because I was just, I was stuck in one, stuck in one spot. I was angry, I was hateful, and I was emotional. It was literally like a roller coaster. And I just got tired of being on that roller coaster. And um, during that time, I would just cry, and then I'd be mad, and I'd cry, and I'd be mad. And I would tell my husband, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get over this. It's so hard for me. And he said, you don't think you can get over it, or you don't want to get over it? And that just got, kind of like hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Am I unable to get over it, or am I unwilling to get over it? So I just began to just really pray and ask God to feel those wounds that I, that I carried for so long. And I went to these healing rooms to receive um, spiritual and inner healing. And it was probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to do because when I stopped talking to my dad, I just kind of stuffed everything and just kept moving. I never, never to be dealt with or talked about again. Like when people ask me about my dad or my parents, I was just like, yeah, they're still married. And that was just it. I didn't really say anything else. Um, but it was getting to a point where I was just starting to leak on everybody. Mm-hmm. And I went to these healing rooms and I, for the first time, I was just really open and honest with what I was feeling and what I was going through. And I received prayer and the lady who was ministering to me at that moment, uh, she didn't know anything about me. And I didn't write, I was very vague with what I needed prayer for. Mm-hmm. And she just hits the nail right on the head. And she's like, you know, I know that you've been through a lot with your dad, but I want she's all, but the Lord wants you to know that you're still a daddy's girl and that your dad is blinded right now. So he doesn't really see what he's doing and she was she told me that I needed to release like all the hate all the anger in order for me to really be able to walk in healing and walk in um, wholeness and as soon as she said that I just started like crying like crying like I felt literally the presence of the Lord just like come there and he was like standing right next to me and I just felt God like just put his arms around me. And as I'm like literally releasing everything, I felt the Holy Spirit like with needle and thread kind of like stitching up my heart, like all the holes that were in my heart, stitching them and closing them and like making them all, making it whole. And it was the hardest and most painful thing that I've ever been through, but it was the most incredible thing that I've ever been through in my, in my entire life mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to walk out of there with a new heart, with a new mind and fresh new eyes to really see my father the way that God saw him, mm-hmm. not the way that I 
saw him through my eyes of like offense. Mm-hmm. And even um, experiencing that grace and that wholeness from God, I still needed to choose every day to forgive my dad. Like it wasn't something that was going to happen overnight. I had to choose to love my dad. I had to choose to speak life to my dad. I had to choose to, you know, be nice to him every single day. And even to this day, like sometimes when I talk to my dad, certain things that he would, that he says trigger certain memories. Mm-hmm. And I have to take those thoughts captive and, you know, and make them align with Christ because it's still, it's still a process and it's something that I still have to choose every single day to this day. So if you can tell any, any other daddy's girl out there or a woman, what would you tell, what would you advise them, Tiffany? I would say, first I would say that ask God to give you his eyes so that way you can see your father the way that the Lord sees them and to pray for them because they're probably blinded. I think that they're unable to see how their sins and how their behaviors really affect those around them. So I would pray for God to give you his eyes and to pray that their eyes will be open to see how um, how they are affecting you and to just love, to love them where they are, uh, knowing and believing that God's not going to keep them where they are and to love them for who they are today, not the person that they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And that has been a, a new strength that you have found in yourself. Absolutely. Um, life is so short and I don't know how many years my dad has on this earth or how many years I have on this earth. And I didn't want to waste them trying to find the old dad as opposed to loving and embracing who my dad is today. In the midst of it all, a book came out of it. Daddy's girl crying silent. You're, you know, you're still singing, making music and raising two wonderful children. You're a wife and you are a great friend. So you, everything, all the hurt has converted into hope. Tiffany? Yes, all the hurt has turned into hope. Thank you for listening to Replenish Hope. If you want to get daily doses of hope, please subscribe and share the hope with others. And remember, hope is for everyone.